God is on the move. Everybody say God's on the move. God is not stagnant. Did you know that? God is active and he is our ever-present help. You know what that means? That's not just that he did something for you 2,000 years ago. That's incredible that Jesus did that. We can't even understand it, what he did on the cross. But it's not just something he did 2,000 years ago. It is present tense for us right here in this room. And for those listening there on the podcast, the Lord is with you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Well, I had something uh, kind of interesting happen to me this week. It was a, it was a very weird thing. And uh, so I'm just going to be honest with you that um, I was listening to the podcast. I wasn't here last week to hear Jeannie speak. So I was listening to the podcast, which was amazing. You guys, it sounded like you guys had a, a, an amazing God time here without me. But I was, I kind of joined in post-tense, joined in with what God was doing here in this room on the podcast. And what happened is uh, I was driving, so the podcast ended, and then my podcast from the previous week started playing automatically. And I was, it's too hard for, sometimes I get distract. I mean, it's too distracting to try to mess even with the phone, and you got everything all plugged in, and it's supposed to be hands-free and touch-free, but who knows, sometimes like all that is just too much messing with, and who's like me sometimes, it's not laziness, it's safetyness, that you just leave it, you don't feel like messing with it, because it's not worth it. So anyway, my own podcast, and so I'm listening to myself preach, I don't do that that often, but now the Lord's actually preaching to me through my own mouth. But it was mostly just background noise because I'm focused on driving and what's going on. I'm heading to a job, trying to watch the GPS too. And then um, I'm just about to the job, and it got to the place where I talked about Lot. You guys remember me talking about Lot a couple weeks ago? Now, I went somewhere else with it. Uh, for that particular sermon two weeks ago, the Lord gave me something and, and he used it as an example. But suddenly I'm listening to this to myself. So again, you know, it's kind of like white noise. Like I'm hearing it. I'm hearing the Lord still speak, but also it's me. So I'm not quite paying attention. But suddenly I hear. I hear the words where the angel says to, to Lot and his wife, hurry. And I'll tell you what, all of a sudden, out of my mouth came, yes, Jesus. When I heard my own mouth speak, I said to, I said to the Lord, confirming what he was speaking, and I said, yes, Jesus, and I like, couldn't control myself. I was like overwhelmed by the presence of God and almost began to weep there because I knew that there was this urgency. So I don't quite know fully and 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 most of the time we don't know but we think we know so i'll just be honest that i don't know what the lord is doing and fully saying but i want to be faithful to bring what i believe he has given me today so i just want to read some verses here i want to read that chunk of scripture and go from there and this is where it came from it came from genesis chapter 19 now who remembers the story basically God tells Abraham, listen, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. I have overlooked their evil for a long time. God, when God comes to judge, who knows that he has given grace more than we could possibly understand. 
I've given so much grace. But eventually, God does judge. God is a just judge. Everybody say he's a just judge. God is a good God. Now, just like a good parent, you know, you're not trying to discipline your child the second they do anything wrong. Imagine we did that. Your kids would always be black and blue. <laughs> not anymore, right? We're talking 100 years ago when you were allowed to do that stuff. But we give our children a lot of grace, don't we? Sometimes your kids say to you, and I remember hearing, saying the same thing to my parents, especially my brother, used to always tell my dad, just tell me what I did wrong. Just tell me what I did. It felt like, you know, you're overreacting to this situation, but really what was happening was like a hundred things that you didn't get disciplined for, and it finally catches up, like, okay, it's the moment. So the Lord says, I'm going to do that, but he warns Abraham, and Abraham knows Lot is there, so he prays, you know, to be saved, that he would protect Lot. You know, there's more to that story, but you guys can look into that yourselves. You know the story. So finally, the angels, they, they, they listen. Actually, God hears Abraham's prayer. He goes and gets Lot uh, with the angels. And so Lot, it says in verse 14, Genesis 19, verse 14, this is what happens. Lot rushes out to tell his two daughters' fiancés. He says in verse 14, quick, everybody say quick. There was a speediness. There was a moment in time that God could, even himself, was not going to stop. There's a lot of prayer that we can do. Uh, to delay things, I believe, because I've seen it in the Word, and I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in history. But then there are points in time, who knows this, where revelation, right, must unfold. Who is aware that one day the earth will be rolled up like a scroll? And you can pray until you're blue in the face. You're not going to stop that. Now, we can ask for reprieves, we can ask for grace, we can ask for mercy, for more people to be saved, for his protection, and so on, for delays, but there is a point where God is going to do what he needs to do because it's in a particular timeline and in his plan. And so there are moments in time where we must be quick to listen. Everybody say quick to listen, right? The Bible says be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? We need to be much quicker just to listen to the Lord. And I remembered hearing a story. This was a true story, and it was about obedience. And uh, maybe you've heard it because it kind of went around the Christian world. Probably everybody has heard this if you've been a Christian for a while. Is uh, There was this boy in Africa, I think it was, but somewhere where they have big poisonous snakes. And the sun was sitting against a tree, and there was a snake dropping down the tree towards the son. And the father said, come here now, with urgency, obviously, in his voice. And the boy jumped up and ran to his father in obedience, and his life was spared. And I remember hearing that, even as a boy, I remember that story. It's a, it was a true story that somehow, you know, got into pastor sermons and got spread about. And the point was that most kids would say, why? Right? And even when we say why, then we get the answer why. You know, it's like, well, I don't have to explain. I don't even have to tell you why. That's just wasted time. All of that, isn't it? 
And you know, the Lord, sometimes the Lord is speaking and we don't even quite understand. So, I mean, I'm literally, even my sermon today is much like that story. I don't even know what is dropping. I don't even know what's coming. I remember kind of talking like this pre-COVID and I knew there was this urgency in my spirit for things coming in the earth and I didn't even know what it meant, but I said, you better get prepared now because there's going to be a day where it will be too late. And I'm not judging those sitting in this chair in these chairs, but we have less people in these chairs, don't we? Again, I'm not judging them. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I'm not judging them. But that's across America. Because what happened? A crisis happened, and people just thought, well, it's a lot easier not to go back to church. Again, one more time, I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that there's... The, the Bible tells us to gather together because it's good for us, isn't it? Do not forsake the gathering together of the believers. That's not what my sermon's about today, but my point is, do you understand? I, I felt like beforehand I was this warning, constant warning. And you know what? If they're in other churches, then God bless them because you know we don't care about that. We're not trying to build this church, trying to build the church. Amen. All right, so if they're in other churches, I just bless them and pray for them. But if they felt like it was easier just to be home now, kind of watch sports on Sundays and just kind of relax because that's what we got used to during the pandemic. That's not good. And obviously the Lord was warning beforehand many, many times. So I feel like the Lord is doing that again now. And I don't know why, but I felt the urgency on Sunday, an urgency. So um, just like most of us, and I've talked about this before, you know, you preach on Sunday, by Tuesday you need another fill-up because you go out in the parking lot and you've already started to wander. You're already out there. You're back in your week. Your mind is in your week, and life gets crazy, right? So, uh, so I forgot that this even happened for about a day. And then the next day, I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, let's pull together what you want to share, what you want to speak this Sunday. And what happened is I opened my iPad, and it opened right to two weeks ago sermon, the line, hurry. And in fact, I was trying to, every time I scrolled my page, my iPad bounced back. It was on page two, so it's not like it was page one. It just bounced back to that line right there, and it was right there at the top. Like, you know, the screen kind of formed a hard line. It was not like it was another line there. That was the line. Hurry. So sometimes we don't know what it is, but we need to be obedient when the Lord says, I need you to move. I need you to do. I need you to listen to me. I need you to listen. And I believe, so I'm not worried about the serpent. I just want to be obedient to his voice. Amen. You guys get that? We don't worry about, we're not going to sit here and conspiracize, if there's such a word, on what's happening or coming, except that I know that the Lord needs us to come to him. Let's get that again. We just need to run to him. It's a moment that the Lord is saying, come to me. Get into my presence. In fact, I'm going to read the rest of Genesis 19 because I believe it's important, but I want, to I want to say this. The Lord is saying a prophetic word today. Hurry and get into the ark. Hurry and get to Zoar. And hurry and get into my presence. He is our hiding place, the secret place, and our habitation. Amen. So the Lord says here in Genesis 19 that Lot rushes around and he's trying to get them to come because you know that the offer is open for the whole world. 
I think it is a lie from the pit of hell that only some can be saved. I believe that is a lie from hell. That is not that false. That is a false doctrine. It is, it is from Satan. And it causes people to say, what's the... You know what it does? It, they, people say with that false doctrine, what's the point? I'm probably the one of the ones that's not redeemed. I've kind of been struggling with this issue in my life, so I'm probably not going to make it. I think that's why the devil created that false doctrine. The Bible says clearly multiple times in our New Testament, Peter says it. For instance, he says, God wishes that all would be saved. You know, the offer to get in the ark was the potential could have been for everyone. The offer to be saved. The offer for an experience with Jesus when he walked on the earth was for everyone. But those that had eyes to see saw him, and those that had ears to hear heard him. And I'm going to actually refer to a, 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 a chunk of scripture here in a moment to prove that. But the Bible says here in Genesis 19 that just like in the time of Jesus, and actually just like in Noah, we're going to maybe look at Noah today too. I got a whole bunch of scripture. But it says, and we'll see what we get to. But it says, the young men thought he was only joking. I was like, wow, God. Because, you know, again, I just talked about Lot as just a quick reference, but I kind of knew, I was almost something in my spirit even two weeks ago that knew that there was more to it. But, you know, as if you've ever preached a sermon or done a Bible study, you could, your, your mind is kind of like, um, it's kind of like a spider web. There's like a central theme, but there's so many offshoots to it, and you have to kind of be careful to stay focused because otherwise you could, you could preach on about a hundred different things and just confu confuse everyone. Hopefully I'm not doing that now. But I almost knew there was, there was an important offshoot that I was going to look at in the future, and, didn't, and then, you know, life went on, then you forget, and then the Lord brings you back to that. And that's where we are here today. So it says that the young men thought he was joking, and I kind of felt the seriousness to the hurry was that the world doesn't recognize the, serious of the seriousness of the hour. In fact, I just heard a shocking statistic uh, within the last two days. It was either yesterday or the day before. I don't know where they get their polling from, but something like 74%, I know it's a weird number, 74% of professing Christians today don't believe that the whole Bible is true. And that's where we're heading. Who can see that, actually? Who can see that unfolding? Where we just start accepting more and more of the world and more and more of their philosophies and ideas, and that will, that'll continue. And that's really what happened here, is they didn't understand the seriousness of the moment and the seriousness of the hour. It says, verse 15, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Wow. When I began, I went back and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to go and, and look at what you're saying here. And when I just began to read these words, I felt filled with the Spirit of the Lord, like, okay, Lord, I don't know. You know, I want to believe that he, he's coming back tomorrow, right? We all want to believe that because Paul even was believing that in the Word. So I, I'm not saying that, he, you know, you're going to get raptured up today and Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I'm not saying that, although we'd all love that. Who wants to go to heaven? Anybody here ready for heaven now? <laughs> but regardless whether, you know, Paul says whether I meet him 
you know, whether I basically, to summarize, he says, whether I die on the earth and go meet him or I meet him in the air, one way or the other, I'm heading towards heaven. Amen. And we know that. And so I believe that the Lord has things that he wants to do, things he wants to accomplish on the earth. But it says, they became insistent and they said, hurry. Hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now. Everybody say, right now. Just like the father who spoke to that son in that tree. Right now. Or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. You know, I wasn't there, and I didn't watch that boy get up. You know, who's ever been obedient, but you take the time to huff and puff? <sighs> you don't argue, but you argued. That may have been that what cost him his life if he had done that. The Bible says, right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand. Wow. And I believe that's what the Lord was just doing. When, when I believe the Lord's been warning us for years that it's a serious hour, and then when, <laughs> when we forget, when we're not quite listening, then he grabs our hands because he loves us and he's faithful to us. We've been faithful to him. He, we're his children, and he grabs us just like you would do to your children. If you tell them to get out of the street and there's a car coming, you're not going to say, well, that's your, that's your problem. You're going to run out there and push them as hard as you can away from the car. Amen? And that's what I believe the Lord did here. And so it says that they rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. Everybody said the Lord's merciful. He's merciful, so he tells us to get out, and then when we're not, we're not quite listening, sometimes he has to grab us and drag us out. But it says, verse 17, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, now run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. And he says, escape to the mountains. But Lot argues, so in verse 20, he says, there's a small village nearby. Let me go there instead. In verse 21, and it's a place called Zoar, and it says, all right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy that little village. Verse 22, and this was the verse I actually was quoting, uh, even though he says it twice. This is the exact verse. But hurry. Everybody say hurry. It says, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Now, I was actually blown away by this because I did not catch this when I preached on, when I brought Genesis 19 into my sermon two weeks ago, I did not catch this, that they were restrained because of grace and mercy. You know, God's grace and mercy. Now, there was a time, now I'm not, gonna, I'm not preaching about Lot's wife again today, but even though there's a restraint, there is a line. There is an uncrossable. I don't know where that is in your life, but there is a point, even with God's mercy and grace, where you have to move with him. You have to go with him, and she stops, right? We're not going to get into all that today. But for what he was going to do in this particular city in Sodom and Gomorrah, it could not be done until Lot escapes. I feel like the Lord today is saying, hurry, there's things 
that are going on in the earth, there are things that are coming in the earth, we can't keep pointing our finger at God forever. We can't remove and strip God from everything and just think that that's how, it will, that's just, it's okay with God and, and for the rest of time, God is not going to respond. But what God will do is he will warn, he will warn, he will warn, he will warn, he will give grace, he will give grace, he will give mercy, he will give mercy. And in fact, then he tells us to finally, he says, they don't want me. Come into my presence. Come into the ark. Go to Zoar. I'm going to protect you. And it says, Lot reached, verse 23, Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord, verse 24, rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in Luke chapter 17, verse 26, it says, as it was, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version, in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now, this is funny because, and we've been talking, I've been mentioning this in my sermon a lot because it's a common theme in our, in our society right now, new normal. Anybody aware of that term? Who's heard me say it a hundred times? Okay. The Bible says, verse 27, they thought everything was normal. Everything had gone back to normal. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day. Everybody say, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them. There was two worlds simultaneously. There was the natural world, and there was the spiritual world. Who knows that God was, God was not lazy, and God was not surprised by the flood. God had prepared Noah 120 years in advance for this day. And Noah, we're going to, I said maybe look at him, but probably not with time. Noah was faithful to do, the Bible says, everything the Lord had told him, and so it did what? It preserved him and his family and the animals. Verse 28 says, and back in Luke 17, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Now, I'm in the building industry. Who has noticed the building industry? It's almost like it's almost like COVID-19 gave it a supercharge. What the heck? The worst time in history, and I you would never know it in the building industry. They built because they said, well, let's just make the best of things and let's move on. And 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 in many, you know, in ways we should. At the same time, God is doing something in his supernatural plan for time. Because it says, verse 29, But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Everybody say, suddenly. 
Now let me just explain it like this. I think it's this is I think a child could already understand it. But let's just break it down. You ready? Yesterday was Saturday. Today's Sunday. Just like that. You're about your day, enjoying your Saturday. You literally wake up Sunday, and your world is changing. Who went to bed wondering if you'd wake up on Sunday? Anybody? <laughs> that's okay, because we have confidence in Christ. But do you understand our human nature? That's how quickly we just, you know... Uh, we, could get, we could go on and on, because Jesus actually quotes about himself coming many times, and he just says it'll be like a thief in the night. It's going to be a surprise. Even, the Bible says, even the ten virgins, you know, five of them were wise. Remember, the five were wise. They had the oil in their lamps. They had, been in, they had made the Lord their, his hab, their habitation. They were spending time with him. They were producing and crushing and, and doing what it takes to get that olive oil, right? That's our, the life we have to go through in Christ, that creates something that can sustain us, and the Bible says that even they fell asleep. It says all ten virgins fell asleep. The surprise was that when the moment came for Noah to enter the ark, he was protected. The surprise that came for Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was protected. It's time that we get into the ark, and I remembered again preaching this sermon at least a few years ago about getting into the ark. It doesn't matter if they think we're joking, if they think we're foolish. I believe the Lord wants us to be more bold than ever before to tell those around us that one day, he said, okay, I'm not going to flood the earth again, I promise that, but, but the next time I'm going to burn the whole earth. You know, we forget that part. Everybody says he's not going to flood the whole earth. He said he wouldn't. Nobody wants to read the other part. I'll just burn the whole earth. I mean, that's the Bible. Is that the Bible? Anybody? Am I misquoting it? Is that heretical? We don't talk about it a lot. I don't like to major on that. I want to major on his grace and his mercy and his love. But imagine I was so foolish, my child would be like, he's standing in the middle of the road. He's on the double yell. There's cars coming and be like, well, you just... Can you just focus on mercy for once? And like, I, I want to, with everything in me, I want to focus on mercy right now, but if you don't get off that double yell, you're a dead child. Wow, what a picture. The Lord says, I've been giving you mercy. I gave you mercy all the way through the front lawn, all the way across the first lane. You're in the double yellow. It's not the time for, for that type of mercy. It is still mercy, isn't it? It's a different type of mercy. It's the type of mercy that says, now, hurry. In fact, this is what the Lord began to just, just for these next few minutes, running out of time very quickly. But Isaiah 55, verse 6, seek the Lord well, he may be found. I'm just going to go quickly through some verses because I want to just read them. Seek the Lord while he, this is New King James, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you know what the meaning of that verse is? If the Bible says, 
while do you think the Bible made a mistake? Anybody think that the Bible made a mistake? If I'm here for a while, what does that mean? Just what is that insinuating? Then I must not be there all the time. There's a moment in time when I'm here. There's a moment for us to be saved. Even if the Lord goes on for a thousand more years in history, that's up to him. He is God. And I've said this many times. It's, maybe, it's not just to cover myself that, you know, oh, the preacher just needs to cover his urgency because one day he's an old man, and what about all those sermons you were urgent? I'm not doing that, but I want to say this. Even if we misjudge his urgency, Paul thought the Lord was returning quickly too, and he still preached about it. Was he wrong? No, because the Bible says to God, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. So to the Lord, it's like two days. It's only been two days. That's pretty quick to God, isn't it? But my disclosure is this. Even if Jesus is not returning tomorrow, and that's not the urgency, anybody here older today than you were yesterday? Anybody older than you were last year? If you're not, come up and see me after church. You're either an angel or you've got a secret I need to know. Seek him while he may be found and while he is near, because, you know, one day he's not. One day Jesus was on the earth, and one day he wasn't. Get that picture. That's incredible. In fact, it says, let the wicked forsake his way, verse 7, unrighteous his thoughts, and it says, return to the Lord. This is what's interesting. And this came, I don't even have time to explain, but super... The Lord did some really interesting supernatural things for this sermon, more than normal. And maybe it's not coming out, and I don't really need to worry about that, coming out, sounding super supernatural. But I know that the Lord is in these words. So just let him savor, even if you have to listen to the podcast again. Sometimes that's actually a good idea, um, because it's easier to listen when we're not just sitting here, but sit hearing it a second time. But supernaturally... I, the Lord brought this verse. I'm going to read out of the New King James again. Luke 19, verse 44. Actually, let me read from verse 41 very quickly. It says, verse 41 says, He drew near and he saw the city and he wept over it. And it says, verse 42, it says, If you had known, everybody say, if we had known. The Bible says that in Luke 19, Jesus literally weeps over Jerusalem and says, if you had known. Who thinks this is a metaphor? Who loves when people just say the Bible's a metaphor? You think that Jesus metaphorically wept? Wept, I mean? I think he really wept. And if Jesus is weeping over something in the Bible, I'm going to pay attention. He said, if you had known, especially in this day that Things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 43. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They will surround you and close you in on every side. And verse 44 says, And level you and your children with you to the ground, and they will not leave you in one stone upon another. And this happened. This is history. Who, who knows this is history? This is what happened to Jerusalem. Finally, what I'll tell you right now, what happened is Rome says, forget this. 
trying to rule over you Israelites. This is impossible. There's this war, this Israel-Roman kind of war that happens, and finally they just destroy the whole city. And that's the final disbursement. The Jews actually leave for 2,000 years. It was at that moment till all the way up to 1947, they were not in their land again. And he said to them, because you did not know the time of your, of your visitation. Because Jesus was saying, it's been prophesied, and it was prophesied, and it was prophesied, and it was prophesied. Can I, should I keep going? And it was prophesied, and now I'm here in the flesh, and you're going to put me on a cross. You did not recognize the time of your visitation. David said to the Lord in Psalm 27, he said, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek. Verse, this is in the New King James, again, a lot of New King James today, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Our only safety and our only security is to dwell in Christ. It is to be in him and him to be in us. Now, I know that we know that in this church. Who knows that in this church? Anybody know that? We know it. But I believe that the Lord brought this he knows this congregation, and he brought this word for us, which means I want to pay attention to it. Even though I know it in my mind, I say to the Lord, yes, Lord. When I heard him speak his word to me, even from my own mouth, suddenly I heard something that I thought I knew and I didn't know, and that's why I responded the way I did. Yes, Lord, I'm not hurrying. I'm not, I guess I'm not being serious about the lateness of the hour. Forgive me. All of that was all in that, yes, Lord. And the Bible says in the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12, again, and I'm going to read this in the New King James, it says another verse, just supernaturally, the Lord supernaturally, and I hope that this is making sense for you here it doesn't matter if it doesn't even make sense in your mind right this minute. I'm not as worried about that, but in your spirit. But I pray that your mind will get this too, because it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. The Bible says, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Now, when I wrote this scripture down in my notes, I highlighted it as time. And I was like, that's not good enough. Then I underlined it. And I said, that's not good enough. I'm still, my spirit's not getting the urgency of it is time. So finally, I put the little star things, one, three on each side of it is time, just those three words. And then when I was sitting in the back before I came out here, just spending some time with the Lord before the sermon 
I felt like I still wasn't getting the urgency of it as time, so I highlighted the whole thing in yellow over the bold black print. The Lord says, break up, in other words, and that, and that fallow ground means, it says in the NLT, plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. All of our hearts get hard. You know how they get hard? Who's ever done anything with fresh soil? Anybody ever done anything with fresh soil? Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> well, anyway, let me tell you what happens since you've never experienced it. If you take fresh, moist soil and you rake it smooth, what happens is it's not the soil refusing to accept seed. The soil is not stubborn, but the sun is hot, and it draws out the moisture, and what happens is the top of that soil becomes crusty and hard. Has anybody ever seen that, now that I'm painting the picture? It's not even that we have not sought the Lord. It's that we have been bombarded like never before in history as believers by a false truth, a false doctrine, and lies. We are literally being brainwashed on a daily basis. And what it's doing is causing a hard crust of our hearts. It doesn't mean we're not seeking God or don't love God. Right? We all, I know you, I know this church. And I know my own heart that I am seeking Him. But there is a, we must be more proactive. Do you understand this? That Noah, the Bible says, because we don't have time to read it, but the Bible says that God says to Noah, I, gotta, I have to judge the earth, but I have found favor in you. You're the only righteous man that I can find on the earth, and I'm going to protect you and your family. But it wasn't automatic. Everybody, I want you to say this out loud. It wasn't automatic. For some time in the span of the next 120 years, we don't know how many years that he planned it and built it, but from 120 years till its end, Noah built an ark with primitive tools, gathered up the entire world of animals and enough food to take care of him and all those animals for a year. And the Bible, God may have sent angels to help him, but the Bible doesn't say that. So I have to assume, we could assume the other way, but I have to assume that because God doesn't say that he did it supernaturally, that Noah actually did that. Anybody get that? Was God going to take care of Noah? We all get that. Yes. Is God, is through Christ, is Christ going to give us salvation? Yes. Is there heaven? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Yes. But in the 120 years, you know, and that was the span of a man's life, in fact. Now, that number is important because he says, after this time, that will be the time of a man's life, 120, for that time in history, that is. Which means, in your lifetime, there is a building. Yes, I will do it, and I've given you the blueprint but you must be proactive because if it's not ready on the day that I begin to reign, you will be left outside. 
And the Lord's not going to let us do that. That's why he gives us 120 years. That's why he gives us a whole lifetime. But there is a hardness that comes. There is a crust that comes by being in this life. And we must proactively, and I just heard a preacher say this, we need to make the time to spend that time in prayer, to spend the time in his word, push aside the TV, push aside Netflix, push aside your hobbies, push aside the things, even, even good things. You know, even your job, do it faithfully, but even your job can then become your life, right? And so we must push those things, we must bring them into order. I'm not saying that you don't take care of your family, you don't go to work and all those things, but put them into the proper order and put the Lord right here where he needs to be because what is happening is, is there is a dryness like never before in history, and we must be much more proactively plowing up that ground almost on a daily basis. I mean, it is on a daily basis in the spirit, but you wouldn't do that with natural ground. Does that make sense? That's what I'm trying to say. You wouldn't keep plowing up the ground in the natural, but we need to be continually plowing it up, just getting the junk out and get putting the Lord in because who has noticed that the junk literally... There is not a commercial now that goes by. Who is getting actually ready to turn, just turn this thing off for good? Because, I mean, I'm watching a commercial for earbuds. On, it was a YouTube video, and I'm watching, it was a worship video. And this commercial for earbuds was very flamboyant. And I'm like, it's earbuds, but you're shoving your political agenda down my throat selling your earbuds. That's where we're at. And that means, okay, Lord, he, Jesus said he commends those that can understand the times. Jesus said that you'd have eyes to see and ears to hear. Understand the times. If we don't understand that this is, if it's not the end times, like Revelation end times, it's the end of the life you knew. The life you grew up with is coming to an end in this world. Now, we're going to get in the ark. We're going to be protected. The Lord's going to watch over us because I'm going to run into his presence. Amen. We're going to run into his habitation. We're going to get into that secret place I'm going to begin to remove myself more than ever from your system and from your plans and from your world. I'm going to ride <laughs> right upon the same waves that are judging the earth. We're going to ride. The Bible says, we don't have time, but the Bible says that, you know what happened? The same waves that judge the earth. You know what the Bible says? It says, as the waves rose, the ark rose. Isn't that incredible? That as the Lord did judge and he will judge. The Lord protected his people. They were inside. They were out. They were no longer a part of that system. In fact, the Lord says, come in. And you know what is interesting? I noticed when I read the story of Noah as they came in seven days beforehand. I don't know that I've never, I don't know why I've never actually noticed that before, but they actually came in seven days ahead of time. 
Imagine being in there for like, you're, it's like day five. I can just imagine Noah's wife. I imagine Dawn. 120 years of your life building this ark. It's day five. I don't even know what rain looks like, but I don't see it yet. Because they had to go in out of obedience before. See, we need to get in there now. We can't, like, you can't run to Zoar. Otherwise, you're going to have an angel dragging you because that's what, that's what it will be. And I don't know the angel's going to drag everybody's hands because he doesn't drag the fiancés. Did you notice that? You think the Lord didn't love them? Of course he did. Was his opportunity there for them? Of course it was. He didn't drag everybody. I don't even want to get into that. I don't understand all that. You know what I mean? Let's not depend on him dragging our hands. I want to do what he says now and get into the place that he's called us to be. That's into his presence. That is like into his word. Because it's going to, the word and this world are going to get more and more separate. Like never before. I know I've been warning this as your pastor and the Lord has told me today to warn you. I have to be faithful to listen to him. If he says to warn us, then I'm listening to, he's preaching to me too. Just like he made me too this week, that this moment is very, very important that we get into his presence. There will be a moment where it's too late. And then the five unwise, they said to the five wise, well, we know, we know it's late, but just give us some of your oil. There's a moment where you can't. Amen. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you, God, and for, I just pray for whoever's listening. Maybe you're an unbeliever listening on that podcast. I just pray today's the day for you to turn your heart over to Jesus. Don't run any longer. You don't have time to run. Give your heart to him today, and he's there for you instantly. And we just thank you, Jesus, Lord, for your word. And we just pray, God, put your word inside of us like good seed and good ground. And God, we thank you. We know you and we believe you, Lord. I pray, God, for the whole other side of the sermon that's unpreached but is, is self-evident that, Lord, if time is short, then our loved ones around us, our family, those we work with, those we're in this world, Lord God, I pray that we would run and we would say, quick, Lord, even if they laugh at us like those fiancés did, I thank you, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us boldness to speak the truth in this hour. We would not shy away because one day it will be tomorrow, Lord, and it will be too late. So we pray for your grace and your mercy and your love to continue, your favor. But God, I pray that we would have your word in our mouth. It would be quick. It would be quick, Lord God, upon our tongue to speak the truth and not shy. Be shy and hold back. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.